0: Well, good morning, everyone. We need to get some gospel in Countryside here. There's a couple up here that were trying to, some of y'all were, I was part of that, to be honest with you. We're so glad that you're here. If this is your first time at Countryside, we want to welcome you. We want to just tell you that you're a guest one time and we wanna serve you as a guest, but you come back next week, you're part of this wonderful family. If you're watching online, we wanna thank you for joining us, you're part of our family as well. So let's welcome all of our guests and those that are watching online right now. Well this week is election week, so I wanna encourage everyone to use your freedom this week and get out and vote. Pray, ask God to lead you, vote your values, But what's important to you, because God is not done with America yet. Can you say amen, countryside? So let's get out and vote. Are you ready to get into God's word today? Let's hold up our Bibles. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word brings life into our weary bodies. And I pray, God, that you would give us strength in Jesus' name. Anoint this word, I pray. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So I've got a true story to tell you this morning. There was a man that was born in 17. 25, he struggled massively. He was a sinner. We're talking sinner. You look up sinner in the dictionary, this guy's picture is next to the word sinner. In his early 20s, he worked on a slave ship. He was the worst of the worst. In fact, his nickname was the great blasphemer. He was a raging drunk, immoral, hateful, he cussed like a sailor. In fact, the captain of the ship not only said that he used the worst language he'd ever, ever heard in his life, but he also created new words that exceeded the language of verbal debauchery. Welcome to countryside, as I described this guy from 1725. He was so hated, one time when he got drunk, he fell overboard. Instead of his shipmates throwing him a life preserver they actually harpooned him like a tuna, and he had a scar on his side the size that he could put his fist into. This was not a popular man. He was so arrogant and disobedient that the captain once had him stripped down to his waist, and he was flogged eight dozen lashes in front of 350 men. This man got so upset with the captain that he decided that he was going to murder this captain and then follow that by taking his own life. But before he could execute his plan, a huge storm began to blow. The storm began to hit the ship. Everyone on the ship thought that for sure they're gonna die in this storm. Sure enough, his best friend who was right beside him got blown off the ship and was never seen again. He thought his life was over. And he found himself in the moment of his greatest trial, in his deepest fear, and he began to cry out to God. So the God that he blasphemed, he called on and said, "Lord, have mercy on all of us." And we when he survived this brutal storm. And it was in this moment of his greatest desperation, he actually called On the name of God, the God that he had hated and blasphemed. Lord, have mercy on us all. Professional sinner, horrible man. This man, his name was John Newton. And in 1772, he wrote a song that we all know very well called Amazing grace. So when you sing this song, I want you to feel the weight of the story of a man known as the great blasphemer, who experienced the amazing grace of God, and in 1772 wrote these words. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear, the hour I first believed. This is the first week of a series that we've entitled Then Sings My Soul. And what we're gonna be doing over the next three weeks is we're gonna be taking famous hymns, hymns that we all know, and we're gonna look at these classic hymns, we're gonna look at what they say, but we're also gonna look at the -the behind-the-scenes story about the men that wrote them, and we're also gonna talk about the theology that is surrounded by these classic hymns. So today, we're gonna talk about the amazing grace of our God. Amazing grace. It's a topic that I don't feel adequate and don't feel like I'm qualified to even talk about. It's something that's so overwhelming. When we look at our lives, all of us, and we look at where we've been, and we look at life's most difficult times, and we look and see the grace of God that was so overwhelming that drew us to him, It's overwhelming. Ephesians chapter two, we see the Apostle Paul, so excited as he begins in Ephesians chapter two to talk about God's grace. In Ephesians chapter two, Paul breaks grammatical rules. He starts sentences and he doesn't finish sentences. He's rambling with excitement and joy with run on sentences because he's overwhelmed by how good our God is. So today we're going to talk about the simple gospel message that Paul shared in Ephesians chapter 2. Paul shows us some very important things that we're going to look at, and we're going to see how that affects our life. First thing we're going to talk about is you were. Before Christ, we're going to talk about what we all were. And then we're going to look at but God. How many can look at your life and say, you've had a but God moment that changed everything? But God, and then we're gonna look at by grace. Grace, what is grace? Grace is unmerited favor, undeserved favor that God pours out upon us, even though we don't deserve it. He gives it so freely. So let's start in Scripture, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, as we look at you were. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. You see, if you are in Christ, you are not where you were. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3, it says, all of us, everyone say all of us, all of us also lived among them at one time. Gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. If you are without Christ, the Bible says you are dead in your sins. It actually goes on and teaches that we are all deserving of wrath because of our sin and our sin nature. It goes on to tell us at times that we're called enemies of God because of the very nature that we were born in. Now, I understand this isn't a popular subject as we look at today's culture. People don't like hearing about sin or people like thinking, that hey, I'm doing great, Pastor. I'm, in, I'm at church for an hour a week. Come on, back off, bro. I'm better than my next-door neighbor that just hit his wife last night. I'm doing pretty good. Listen, all of us are sinners saved by grace. You may say, I have a good heart. I'm not as bad as everyone else. I'm not a bad person. But you see, we're all born by nature as sinners. Our parents were sinners, their parents were sinners, and it goes all the way back to Adam and Eve for the original fall of sin. And by nature, the very nature that we were born in, we're not good. So let me ask you this: little quiz. How many of you have ever lied? Oh, people whose hands are not up, lying right now. How many have ever stolen anything? Well, if you've got a countryside Christian church pen by your phone at home, just saying. How many have ever lusted? You know, Jesus goes on and talks about if you've even looked at a woman with lust in your heart, you have committed the sin of adultery. Now, I got quiet. So, what I'm saying to you, countryside, based on the word of God, you are a lion, thieving, adultering group of people, and I'm right there with you. So... For those that are still left online, welcome to Countryside. We're so glad that you joined us today. But you see, it's it's so important that we begin to see ourselves from the nature that we come from and begin to feel the guilt and the conviction, because here's the deal. Until you see yourself as a sinner, you won't see your need for a Savior. And here's the good news about our Savior, Jesus. He didn't come for the righteous, That's not what he came for. He came for the sinners. He didn't come for those who are healthy and those that had it all together. He came for the sick, the wounded. Because Jesus came for those who are broken and hurting, we need a spiritual cleansing and healing. Jesus came to this earth to set sinners free. And that's why the Apostle Paul says, you were But then he goes on to say, but God. You are sinners, but God. See, some people, they say, I'm I'm not that bad, you know. But it doesn't say that Jesus came for the semi-sinners, or the partial sinners, or the not-so-bad sinners. Jesus came to save the spiritually dead, wicked, wretched people, because we, as mankind, are in desperate need of God's grace. We're sinners, but God. Some of you have had a but God moment and in that but God moment, everything changed. Maybe you were searching and you were confused, but in that moment, God showed you the way through his son, Jesus Christ. Maybe you come in here today and you're hurting and empty. I wanna tell you, it's in that but God moment that the Spirit of God will fill you and fill that void that you have without him. Maybe you've struggled in addiction and bondage. I want to tell you, in that but God moment, Jesus will set you free. You were without Christ, but God. And this is what we pick up in Ephesians chapter two with the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul had a but God moment. Let me give you a little description of where Paul was before this. It doesn't say that Paul cussed like a sailor, but it does say that Paul was an evil man, that Paul was a modern day zealot against Christians. He killed Christians. It was like ISIS back then with his crusade was to kill anyone that he could see that had Christianity on their mind. So if you were having a conversation with Paul, he would say he was a breathing, murderous, threatening man. And while he was traveling to meet a high priest, he was determined in his heart to get rid of all the Christians. They were called people of the way at this time. You see, Paul hated anyone who loved Jesus. But God. But God who is rich in mercy... Mercy, what does mercy mean? Mercy means to, when God holds back what we really deserve. You know what Paul deserved? God was a nut. The God was killing our friends, people of the way. He deserved to die in that moment. He deserved to have a lightning bolt come down, strike him dead. But God, who is rich in mercy, Paul goes on to say, he was blinded by a light from heaven. And he heard heaven say, and this is what Paul's name was before he found Christ. He heard a a voice from heaven say, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? For three days, Saul was blind. And he goes to an ordinary guy by the name of Ananias. Ananias was a loving Christian man and had every right to hate Paul. He knew what he was about. He knew that he would kill his loved ones. He had every right to walk him while he was blind to the side of the cliff and say, Paul, just three more giant steps forward. He had every right to do that, but he didn't. Instead, what Ananias did is he loved like Jesus loved. So instead of hating Paul, he laid hands on Paul. The Bible describes that moment as scales literally falling off the eyes of the apostle Paul. It was there that Paul knew that he was chosen. Ananias baptized him. Ananias told people and, and, and prophesied that the guy that was killing Christians was now called to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Paul, evil of the most evil, but God. But God, but for the grace of God, where would any of us be right here, right now? But God. So, Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 4, says, But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. When did he give us life? He gave us life when Christ was raised from the dead. So in the Old Testament, once a year during Passover, they would kill the sacrificial perfect male lamb. We see it was a temporary sacrifice. And they would take his blood and put it over their doorposts. And oftentimes that blood would drip down. And it was a symbol of the cross that was coming. Because we didn't need a temporary sacrifice. In the New Testament, Jesus came as the perfect sacrifice For our sins. You see, who was Jesus? Jesus was the perfect lamb of God. Gave his life on the cross. And by grace, we are saved because of what he did for each one of us. You see, Paul says, you were a sinner. You were born in sin. But God... But when God's grace shone upon you, everything changes at that moment. And how does this happen? It, Excuse me, my cough drop fell there. How did that happen? It happened by grace. By grace. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 8. It says, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. It's not from yourselves. It's a gift of God. It's not of works, so no one can boast. You were in sin, but God, and by grace we are saved, not because of our works, but by grace. It's not because of our religion. It's not about being religious enough. It's about grace. We're not saved because of our human efforts. We're not gonna be saved because we fill up a Christmas box for children. We do good works because of God's grace. We show good works to people around us because of who God is through us, but we are not saved by our human efforts. We're not saved by our perfection. You see, we're not gonna stand before God one day on Judgment Day, and there's not gonna be a giant scale that's standing there. So many people believe this. They believe if I just do enough good, I will work my way into heaven. People, they think they're gonna stand and there's a, the giant big screen. Remember when Grandma told you about the giant big screen, showing you all your stuff? Some people, they think they're gonna put on one side of the scale all the bad things I did. And then they're gonna put on the other side of the scale all the good things I did. And then I'm gonna stand at the great white throne judgment, holding my breath, hoping and praying. It's gonna tilt. That is not what saves you. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that redeems you, restores you, heals you, and saves you. What about the grace of God? What was the example that Jesus gave us about the example of grace? I think about the woman who was caught in the act, the very act of adultery. The men of the town and the law of the the culture of that time It says that woman is to be stoned and murdered and killed. And all these guys, you know the guys, act like they got it all together, act act like their life is perfect, act like they got everything just so great and we're so bad. They're out there with these big stones, ready to beat this girl with these stones. And what does Jesus do? What a cool cat Jesus was. He walks out. Can you imagine? All these people are surrounding these girls in the sand, ready to die. And Jesus is like, well, excuse me. Oh, I know you. Oh, I know you. Really? You're here too? Jesus so graciously kneels down. And the Bible doesn't say what he writes in the sand. Some scholars believe he was writing some of their sins in the sand, some of their faults, some of their failures. But you know, these men that were so prideful, so puffed up, so religious, each one of them, one by one, dropped their stone. One by one, dropped their stone. Until it was just Jesus and the woman. And what does Jesus do by grace in that moment? He doesn't look at her and say, listen, you know, you might want to find a different career, you know. No. He takes her. He lifts her up. He restores her. And by grace, he says to her, where are your accusers? She says, they're, they're not here. And he looks at her by grace and says, you are restored. Now go And sin no more. That's the grace of Jesus Christ. There was another one. There was a man with with two sons. One of the sons is like, I want my inheritance now. I want my money. We live in a a world and a culture is like, I want my money now. I want to spend it. I want to party. Well, the father gives it to him. The son goes off, lives a terrible life of rebellion and sin spends all of his money, the entire time that's happening, what's the father doing? The father's not, hey, let me send an email to this guy. Hey, son, you're a jerk. Hey, son, I want my money back. Why are you wasting, I worked hard for this money. No, no, the father was praying. The father was praying for his son that was rebellious. It says one day, when his son was completely broken, Had no money, he thought in his mind, if I could just go back to my dad and I could just work in the farm. I could just work with the pigs. I could just do whatever I could just to have a place to stay. But you know what's interesting? The father was such a symbol of grace in this moment. It says, he saw his son coming over the hill. Now, he didn't go to the other son, ah, your brother's coming back, you're gonna have to move over and put the bunk beds back up. He saw his son coming, and the Bible says that he ran to his son. He ran to his son, and he took his son and he hugged him. By grace, he hugged him. By grace, he restored him. By grace, he forgave him, and then moved even a step further and said, Here's my coat. Put a ring on his finger. Get ready, guys, kill the fatted calf because tonight we are gonna have a party like no other party before because my son has come home. My son was blind, but now he sees. My son was lost, but now he's found. That is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what grace is. And Jesus... Hanging on the cross between two criminals, rightly there to be punished by death. Jesus, perfect, sinless, perfect son of God. One of the criminals was shouting out insults, yelling at Jesus, if you're really the son of God, get off the cross, have angels come take you. But what did the other one do? The other one said, Lord, have mercy on me, Jesus, in agony, in pain beyond belief, hardly able to breathe. And he looked at this man. He looked at this man with mercy and grace in his heart. You see, Jesus knew that that man could never ever do a good work because he's getting ready to die. He knew that that man could never join a church. He knew that he could never give in an offering. He knew that that man was not going to be baptized. He knew that that man was never going to walk an old lady across the street and do anything good. He looked at that man knowing that he could never do any type of religious work. You see, that man was completely guilty. Completely guilty. But by grace, Jesus looked at him and said, Today, I will see you in paradise. Grace. The grace of God. I look at our church. And I've had people come to me many times. They say, Pastor Glenn, I was an alcoholic. I've broken. I left my wife. I've cheated. And I, my office have held hands with people and prayed God's grace. And I've seen people whose life were completely broken in this church that God healed, God restored, God raised up, and he did it. Not because of anything we are, but he did it because of his grace. You know, I think of this kid in Clearwater, this little fat kid in Clearwater, Florida. Insecure, fearful, unable to make friends, lost, broken, disappointed, betrayed, hurt by friends, and I can remember when this little boy just humbled himself and received God's grace and receive salvation, and receive God's mercy. And that little boy's life was completely, radically changed because he became a new creation. He wasn't defined by being shy or introverted or, or wounded or broken or hurt. He was defined by the grace of God. And that little boy in Clearwater, Florida is now pastoring Countryside Christian Church by the grace of God. You were, but God, by grace. I want to show you, this this whiteboard represents our heart. You know, we come into this world, and we have a sin nature. And then we begin to live our lives, and oftentimes this world hurts us, disappoints us. We begin to walk ways we shouldn't walk. We begin to do things we shouldn't do. And the sin gets deeper and deeper and grows and can be so overwhelming. And so what do we do? Oftentimes what people do, they try to fix it themselves. You know what? I feel shame, but you know what? I feel so much better if I have an alcoholic beverage just to numb it a little bit. And we try to, we try to fix it. We surround ourselves oftentimes by wrong people and people that are not walking towards the Lord and and we try to fix it. And all we do is we get frustrated because we're stuck in the sin and the shame and that's right where the enemy wants us to be. But you know what's so great about the grace of God? His grace and his mercy. His hands are always outstretched to us no matter where we come from, no matter where we've done and what we've been through, he's always out there saying, I love you. I'm here for you. And you know, when we have our but God moment and the blood of Jesus begins to rain down in our lives and we allow the peace that passes all understanding restore our hearts and what was broken is now healed, what was blind can now see, You see, I need a little more blood. There's always room for a little more blood of Jesus. But you know what happens? He wipes our heart white as snow. Because that's who Jesus is. What was broken can be healed. What was lost can be found. What was blind can now see but it's up to us to allow the grace of God to come into our heart and come into our life. Who did Jesus come for? He came for all of us, sinners, not semi-sinners, but for us, wretched, pitiful, spiritual sinners. You see, because the tomb is now empty, because Jesus Christ is risen, you were in sin, but God changed everything when he came into your life by grace, by the grace of God. But you see, for so many people, they don't know how to receive the grace of God. This is how you receive it. Yes. See, grace is a gift. The grace of God is a gift. You know, you could have Christmas time around the Christmas tree, and you have all these presents, and you could look at that and say, wow, those are some great presents and then eat your turkey and you go home and those presents are just sitting there doing nothing because they weren't received and opened. You see, grace is a gift that God is saying to you no matter where you've been, no matter what your background is, no matter what you've done, by grace, I'm offering you salvation, healing, forgiveness, restoration, hope, simply by saying yes to Jesus. Can we all bow our heads and close our eyes just for a moment? Maybe you're here today. Maybe today, today, maybe that's your but God moment. Maybe things aren't looking so good. I could say that I've had times where things haven't looked so good, but God. Maybe you've been broken. I can tell you, we live in a broken world, but God. God. Maybe you need healing today. But God, maybe you need the spirit of God to set you free. The Bible says whom the Son's sets free is free indeed. But God, so my invitation to you today is, do you want the free gift of salvation? Do you want to accept the free gift of grace? Because it's by grace that we're saved through faith. It's a gift from God, lest any man should ever boast about it. If that's you today, you wanna be included in this prayer, when I count to three, I just want you to raise your hand. I'm not gonna call you out, and I'm gonna embarrass you. Hands are already going up, but I want this to be your but God moment. One, two, three, raise it up high. Yes, 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 amen, yes. Raise it up high, if you can't raise your hand up high in a church full of people praying, there you go. Yes, 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 yes. If you're at home, this moment is for you. This moment is for you. Can we all pray together for the sake of all those that raise their hand today? Just repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your grace. I receive your grace. And I ask you, oh God, to forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart today. I accept you, Jesus, as my Lord my Savior, my God, and my best friend. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we all stand together? I think we need to give the Lord a great praise offering. I know a lot of people are being touched right now. We're gonna sing this song in just a moment. I wanna encourage you as you hear it. Thank God for the personal things that he's done in your life by grace. Here's a couple more verses. It says, through many dangers, toils and snares, I have already come. Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far and grace will lead me home. I love this verse. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we know less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Church, the tomb is empty. Jesus is risen. And today we celebrate the amazing grace of our Lord. Let's worship together.
1: worthy. What a perfect time now to take communion together as a family. If you would take your elements. What a message. It's one of the best messages I've ever heard in my life. All about His grace. By the way, I just like the sound of communion cups opening. (laughs) It's like it's holy. It's a holy moment. And Jesus, when the night that he was betrayed, when he was sitting with his disciples at the Passover, at that point in the ceremony where he took the bread and he broke it and he blessed it and he gave it to them and said, this is, this is my body. He was explaining the meaning of this part of the ceremony. This is my body that's been given for you. And then he took the cup in the same way and he blessed it and said, this is, this is the new covenant in my blood. Just do this in remembrance. Of me, how much he gave—grace, its undeserved favor, eternal life, salvation, forgiveness—freely given to us. It hasn't cost us anything, but it was costly to him. He paid the price. So this moment is holy when we remember him. And what he gave for us. Would you hold up the bread together with me? Father, we thank you so much that you sent your son to die for us. And then his body that was given for us and pierced through for our transgressions, we're, we're made whole. And then when he rose from the dead, we're given life now and eternally. We thank you, Father. We have this renewed relationship with you in Jesus' name. Do break this bread together with me. Father, we thank you for the precious shed blood of your Son. Wash us clean our sins all of our faults, all the things that we've done in rebellion to you, all the thoughts that we've thought, and how we're renewed because of the price paid. As we remember Jesus, we commit to living a blood-soaked life of grace in Jesus' name. Let's take this cup together. I think it's time for a blessing. What do you think? So, if you would now open your hearts, you can turn your palms upward in an attitude of receiving and say a blessing over you at this moment. May you be blessed with the eternal, undeserved favor, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and may it flow over and through your hearts so much that you show that grace to others who don't deserve it. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, Amen, amen, amen. There will be prayer team members up here at the front for you to pray with you as we dismiss now. Have a beautiful, beautiful Sunday. I love you, church.